Two, two, two. Refigure. Let's go. We talked about that book last week. Yes. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Refigure, the podcast about arts, culture and diversity. I'm Reefa. And I'm Christopher. I can rehear the seagulls. We are in Brighton. Yeah, thought I'd shut all the windows. They're just super loud, mate. The windows are all shut, but they're just so loud. They just yeah. One time I was listening to that um, break. No, not breaks. What's that song? Um, what's that band in Brighton? Valhalla Dancehall is the is the album. British Sea Power. British Sea Power. And I jumped when there's a track where there's a squawk of a seagull. Oh, that's cool. Excellent. What? That's so realistic in my ear. What are we talking about this week, Aretha? We are talking about the series on BBC iPlayer at the moment, I May Destroy You, with Michaela Cole as the protagonist. She wrote and directed it. We'll talk about that. And we'll also be talking a bit about four seasons of the bridge that we watched yeah the classic um nordic noir series the bridge check in check in check in check in how are you chris today i've had a very creative few days and i've very much enjoyed that so i've been taking some time to do my own creative nonsense made a bit of music made a bit of written words that's been really good we also yesterday went out and hung out with someone all afternoon, our friend James from Frolic, who is a theatre producer of local great renown. Um, And James, we had a meeting with him at an actual cafe in the park. Felt very New York for some reason. And then um, just sort of hung out all afternoon, the three of us, and that was really nice. We, We went to the pub, the real pub, physical pub albeit with masks and careful distancing and all that. That felt really fantastic and it has given me a new lease of death. Highly risky and if anything happens to us, you know, just letting you know, that's what we did. What was shaping up to be a really disheartening, difficult week has ended up being really nice. So I'm feeling great. How about you? How are you doing? I particularly enjoyed seeing a person... James Turnbull is quite an interesting person to hang out with and he was full of he was full of <laughs> encouragement for planning out what I need to do in the next few months which is finish off writing this book that I've been writing about all the different things that I'm doing and how people can do it themselves at home so it's a DIY book of things that I do with people in a coaching way but also some stuff about me too in it. So he was very encouraging about that, which is actually quite rare that um, anybody (laughs) says anything like, yes, you go girl to me. So, you know, apart from all my cheerleading girlfriends. So it's nice to hear that. That's really good. Apart from you as well, podcast presenter friend. (laughs) I'm a cheerleader too. Yeah, cheerful. You have to be to be a cheerleader. Yeah, upbeat cheerleader. Yay, yay, yay. Boobity, boobity, boob. Our first topic this week is uh, Michaela Cole's extraordinary comedy drama series I May Destroy You, which has been running on the BBC for the last uh, few weeks. It's a co-production with 
the BBC and HBO, I think, set in uh, London's kind of young influencer, hip literature, well, not literature, but publishing scene. Oh, where'd you get that? Can't remember. Me again. Allow me to pick up where I left off. How'd you smash your phone? I don't know. How did last night end? Flashbacks. Yeah, I see him a bit. My friend is stressed. Listen to her talk. Make her feel good. If you're gonna talk on my name, be saying with your chest. Uh, Michaela Cole plays Arabella, who is a a writer or a kind of sort of like an Instagram, Twitter modest celebrity who's who's parlayed that into a book deal and is now trying to write the manuscript for the book. And uh, during that time, she is drugged and raped in a bar and then has to go through. So the crux of the series is she is Arabella going through the process of first kind of realising that's happened and then trying to deal with it and doing all the things you do and still hanging out with her friends and still trying to write her manuscript and live the life she lives. I'm not going to say anything else about my opinion. I'm going to ask you first. Um, What did you think of I May Destroy You? I really like Michaela Cole. We watched her in Chewing Gum, which was based on a one-woman play that she did herself and directed that and performed it. I enjoyed her being so long musical. I just find her really compelling. There was a drama that we tried watching that I didn't enjoy her in so much because she spent most of the time sort of shouting. But this (laughs) is an incredible, powerful piece of drama, comedy, like nothing you've ever seen. It's just so, well, it's so distressing watching this flashback that she has over and over again of being raped by somebody that it will really stay with you. It stayed with me. We probably shouldn't have binge watched it all in one night. Um, But the characterisation, the way the story unfolds through the flashbacks to her childhood, the vignettes that are happening throughout each of the episodes are just really beautifully done that you are just immediately sympathetic of the characters you understand all the relationships it's all completely authentic the way that she code switches between the agents the publishers the um, rich and poor in her life I suppose the classes and her own people her own friends but the actual main part of it where she has to go to police officers and talk about the attack on her and what happens is done with such humour but also pathos and sensitivity that it's a truly brilliant piece of work let alone all the sub stories and different characters and all the trauma that they're all going through as well it's just a phenomenal piece of work you will recognise maybe yourself in it but also maybe uh, other people like we've all got a friend who's a bit wayward. I find I found that the ending, the last two episodes, which people on Twitter were like really excited about, are surreal, beautiful, compelling, and in a similar way that Russian Doll sort of messes with your mind. There isn't the surreal aspect to it, but there is because it's so horrific what happens to some of the characters. 
um, that it's a film, a piece of art that will stay with you for a long time. What did you think, Chris? Well, I share your opinion of it. It was extraordinary. I was amazed how funny and how colourful it was and how beautifully it's shot. So she's got everything. Michaela Cole is an extraordinary talent. Like, the writing, it is a unique voice. Like, she's a clearly a new, fresh, unique voice. She gives her characters this kind of vibrant authenticity and um, kind of proper realism. And yet at the same time, the second thing is it's popular entertainment. It isn't like there's that word middle brow, meaning meaning kind of stuff that's a bit more clever than the the popular stuff, but not fully on highbrow. And that's almost like a real reductive term for what this is the expansive version of. Like there's a fierce, challenging intellect at work making work that is highbrow, complex, nuanced, layered, brilliantly made. And at the same time, it's like fucking fun. And she does that classic thing of that you're doing both emotions at the same time. You're dealing with a topic that's really hard and she's not flinching from showing you the way that that affects and impacts people. And other other things she shows that there are definitely things I've never seen on screen in this show, even though it's not extremely explicit. It has moments of stuff that I've just not seen. But at the same time... You could show it to anyone and they would get stuff from it because it's so relentlessly entertaining. Every character's well-rounded and brilliantly written. She's fearless about allowing her own character, even as Arabella's the name of the character, even as Arabella goes through this terrible process, when she makes mistakes or when she becomes unhelpful to her own friends who are also going through things, that is shown in an honest way as well. So there's no kind of false romanticising of Arabella's character as the survivor in the pic. In fact, the stuff that happens around Kwame, who's one of her friends, who's a young gay guy, who also gets assaulted during the course of the show in a different way, but still has to deal with still has to deal with a really serious assault. And then there's this comparison with the kind of treatment that she has got at the hands of the authorities, which actually is on the whole very positive with what he gets because he's a young gay black man trying to trying to navigate the same process. And that's done not in a ham-fisted way. No one's presented as a kind of mindless villain. Just, you know, even the, there's a police officer who's, who's completely incapable of dealing with what he's facing, this young guy. But even that's dealt with, with sim- sympathy and with compassion. So her writing never compromises on allowing everyone the kind of well-roundedness to be the owner of their reasoning and what they're doing. That's incredible. I mean, I could just bang on, but it's a wonderful show. It's a wonderful show. What it also deals with, I mean, I really over-identify with some of the, especially when she does the flashbacks to the school and the young people. So she has this whole bit where she's reconnected with an old school friend. And then we have a big episode where we flash back to this scene, this episode where a young girl gets exploited by her schoolmates. That whole scene of like how cruel kids can be, how they're kind of in an alliance themselves. They want to uh, sort of punish this girl for trying to get their other friend in trouble. That's how they see it. But from our point of view, we see her home life, how exploited she was, how abused she was and how she's now grown into this woman who's running a support group for women who've been exploited. 
that in itself is such a powerful reminder as adults, you know, of how we were as kids and how we've dealt with things and grown and changed and how people respond and how some of her friends had still thought bad things about this particular girl because of what had happened. And as adults, how we can sort of deal with that. I mean, it's a really powerful bit, which they say twice. She's explaining why the group exists. And she says something like one out of two women have been exploited by, you know, and in, from what we know of Me Too, what women have always known, but now everybody is on board, I'm sure, now that we understand that this is something that we haven't taken seriously. There's another bit that I really loved as well, which is where um, all the way along, because it's like a sort of thriller as well. It's a thriller. Crime has happened and we're trying to figure it out and, like, who was the culprit? Her old school friend who they're so close, they're more close than family in many ways. Who's brilliantly named Terry Pratchard. <laughs> she's an actress. She's called Terry Pratchard. That's fantastic. That's uh, She's played by Rarouche Opier. So there's a scene in there where she's she's been trying to make up for the fact that she's been feeling so guilty that she left her. Like they've been on a night out. And the truth is, which was covered up, you know, is that her friend's left her in the bar and then that's what when the attack happened it's against the codes you know that you don't leave your friends behind anyway so there's a whole bit where the truth comes out and Michaela Cole's character Bella is like totally within her rights to be upset and angry and blame the other person for leaving her in the pub but she doesn't and in any other drama that would have been the bit where these women would have fallen out in any other drama. They would have just sort of changed it to, to be more like, I don't know, there's a man at the big middle of it. Anyway, all I'm saying is I loved seeing that forgiveness and compassion between two women characters. And that's at the heart of this programme as well. And that every single character in it gets exploited in some way or another. So that's um, I May Destroy You and it's available on the BBC iPlayer. talk a bit about the bridge yeah this is a really old piece of tv but um reefer has never watched nordic noir partly because they all start with a dead body of a woman and uh, that puts you off but um reefer has never watched any of them and so there are quite a few nordic noir series that i've ended up over the years watching on, on my own all the original danish series of the killing three out of the four seasons of the bridge trapped I'd watched The Hinterland, the Welsh one, and there's a few others as well, the lesser ones, and also The Amazing Borgen, which we may get to at some point. But um, when we were doing our Icelandic binge, we watched both seasons of Trapped, which is, of course, sort of template Nordic noir. It's really in the vibe of the bridge. And Reefer, you really flipping loved it. And so then I was like, right, let's do it. Let's go, let's go 10 years back in time and watch The Bridge from season one. And for me, there was the added bonus that once we got through season three, then there'd be season four, which I'd not seen except for the first episode. So we have in the last, well, since we last spoke to you, dear listener, we've watched all four seasons of The Bridge. Echoes start as it crosses. Mm. It's locked there. It's locked there. 
Ja, det var så att i 45 sekunder kanske. Saga Norén Länskrim. Gudmans politik. Ligger hon i Sverige eller Danmark? The Bridge is about an extraordinary neurodivergent detective called Saga Norén, uh, based in Sweden. Each season is one crime for the whole season, like one, one mystery for the whole season. And each time it, they work across the border between Denmark and Sweden, specifically Copenhagen and Malmo, which are connected by this very iconic long bridge, the Orasund Bridge. So the first season starts with a woman's body literally on the border, where half of her body is in Denmark and half of her body is in Sweden. I love these shows and I love this series and I loved re-watching it. What did you think of The Bridge, Reefer? I think there's something about the fact that none of these things are in English or in American. They're already a bit different. Having yeah. to sort of understand them through the filter of subtitles and the the way that they speak, the language itself is so different. Like, she just goes, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> to say yes. Oh. I love the character um, of Saga. She clearly traumatised, has these autistic savant sort of symptoms. She has constructed, or people around her understand her talent, but she does get people's backs up, especially um, when they're trying to talk sensitively to people who might have just lost someone or had their loved one murdered. Um, It is a bit gory for me, a bit, but it's also done in the style, I think, of um, this very slow pace. You know, it's quite quiet and a lot of... um, I don't know, just when we finished the end of the season four, I felt like it was a little bit like The Wire, that we've got to know these characters or this particular character throughout this season, the seasons, and it's really developed, like, her backstory, her childhood, her struggle to have relationships with people, and also all these other kind of twisted stories that are always mixed up, like, it's been really difficult to guess who the criminals are in these in these um, complex murder mysteries, these are. And I love a good Agatha Christie, you know, it's a bit <laughs> like that. But it's also, you know, it's so pure fantasy as well. It's more about the um, relationships between the characters. The way that I felt about The Wire was like, look, it was, they were one of the first series that they, they didn't flinch at getting rid of a really key character. Like in season two, her partner goes to prison. Yeah. Like, oh, but he was like... I a main this was character a, of the I show. I thought he was yeah. like her buddy going to be through the whole season. Um, and, uh, you know, spoiler if you've not seen it, but the fact that she just doesn't do a happy ending, you know, everything gets resolved and it usually does in at the end of every season. Reminds me a bit of The Good Wife, actually. The first season of The Good Wife, when there was always a crime, there was always a twist at the end where you think that they won, but actually... It was a lot harsher reality than that. Anyway, the very end, she doesn't, like, settle down and with a bloke. She just gets in the car and fucks off. That and is I the happy that. ending. So I know, I but it's not traditional. I definitely felt like that final, there is a final ending for season four, whereas the other three all had endings that were really messed up. So you've got really important characters going to prison or really important characters being forced to face really horrific truths that they're going to have to struggle to get over, all that sort of thing. Whereas I definitely felt the end of season four was a kind of 
resolving of all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it does work in a kind of pair, two pair seasons. Like Sugunurin is played by Sophie Helen, and in seasons one and two, her opposite number from Denmark is Martin, who's a big, chunky, womanizing chap played by Kim Bodnia. And then seasons three and four, he's swapped out for um, Henrik, who's a different kind of detective, much more. Um, well, he's he's a junkie and he's fucked up himself and he lost his wife and kids years before they vanished, uh, played by Tura Lindhart. The seasons do kind of work in two pairs of seasons and I sort of felt that seasons one and two are pretty much perfect. Seasons three and four lost their way a little bit and particularly season four, although it was still very compelling and particularly brilliantly acted, I think the crime drama started to take second place too much to the personal stuff. And for me, the crime didn't quite hold up its internal logic. It didn't feel as planned. Like one of the things about particularly the first series is how, or the first couple of series is how intricately prepared these crimes are. So it, when when a twist happens, even though it's a mind blowing twist, you kind of go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Whereas in season four, particularly, it just felt like, what the fuck's that? That's just yeah. Totally some of it was work. really strange. Yeah, and lower stakes in a way. Until yeah. until our heroes themselves are under threat. I cared much less about the crimes that were going on in season three and four than in season one and two. I mean, I just love the setups. Like each of the offices and the outdoor, like they all look like they all look completely real to me. It never feels like crappy BBC lighting or. Oh like, no, it feels as, yeah. It feels totally authentic, and um, I totally believed her character and the journey that she was going on of uncovering and going to therapy in order to have um, a relationship. What I mean is the whole point in many programmes is that it's quite, you know, especially she was trying to change herself in order to have a normal life with a bloke and to be better at her job as well. And then in the end, she just says, fuck it to both of the things. I just felt was really a brilliant, that's a twist in itself. Yeah. Another problem with season four is exactly that, that up until then, she has been so divergent from the normal desires and hopes of people. And that's part of what makes her character very attractive. Whereas in season four, there are a whole series of decisions and things she does that are much more about mainstream values, even though she's different. Like this whole thing of thinking she might be in love with someone or then dealing with pregnancy, dealing with um, whether she's going to cohabit or not. And all of that stuff felt... So you're right, the very final kind of, that's it, I'm gone. She answers the phone the final time yeah. differently from how she has all the other times. She puts herself first. Yeah, which, which is great. again is like so... It, it's still surprising to me. And in the same way that the in the um, I May Destroy You, like the choices that you don't... She didn't have to keep going back. The finale is like you choose yourself. You don't have to take revenge in the end, you know, it was resolution. But it reminds me a bit, you know, like how surprising it was when we watched four seasons of Legend of Korra, okay, and how she goes off into the sunset, but she's going off into the sunset with, like, another woman. Yeah. But they don't explicitly say that it's a lesbian relationship. And then you watch 25 seasons of She-Ra, the new edition, and then at the end, their female friendship is a lesbian relationship, and it is what... They can be explicit about it. I just find it interesting because we've had generations upon generations of films and TV that tells us that the happy ending is to get married and 
have a big wedding at the end of a programme. So you convert to Nordic noir films now. You've seen, oh, for fuck's sake, are you a convict to, are you a convict? convict. <laughs> are you a convert to Nordic noir TV series now? You've seen two series of Trapped. You've seen four series of The Bridge. Do I go and get hold of The Killing? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That'd be great. What are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you reading, Chris? I'm still ploughing through. I'm going to talk about... I'm going to talk about... I'm not going to talk about it at all. Have I mentioned the Crystal Palace fan books that I've been sent? I've got a couple of them. Maybe I'll talk I about them next week. I thought you were going to say week. the Crystal Maze. No, um, I've got two new exciting mm. uh, books about Crystal Palace fandom. <laughs> you say Crystal Palace so funny. Crystal you literally Palace. Say, no, you literally say it like the Crystal Palace. The Crystal Palace. <laughs> Whereas most people say Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Yeah. Fam, fam, uh, anyway, maybe I'll talk about them next week. I'm still reading Priyam Vada Gopal's wonderful history book, Insurgent Empire, Anti-Colonial Resistance and British Descent, which is a really in-depth but very readable history of how the various countries that the British Empire oppressed how the people there fought their oppression. I can't believe I'm laughing through saying that. And also, yeah, just dissent against the empire within Britain during that period. And it's brilliant. I'm about halfway through now. It's great. I'm not sure about this font. It's a very Third Reich font they've used on the front. That's not Third Reich. That's really great. It looks that, brilliant in the that, red and black. That font is, is... Yeah, but then if it is Third Reich, if it is like that, isn't that kind of the point? They're making a connection between us being all pious about the Nazis when we were the British Empire. Uh, what have you been reading, Reefer? So last time we had a podcast, I talked about Bell Hooks's book, All About Love. And now I am on the, well, I've read them in the wrong order, it's a trilogy. So I've got the next two books, one's called Salvation, and that's the second one. But somebody on the internet told me that Communion, the female search for love, was a big yawn from Chris. <laughs> was about was the, second, um, was the second one so I started it oh my god her style is so good I feel like reading this really intellectual article is so pacey and interesting and fun to read but it's super personal but also a historical account of feminism and how much progress has been made because of the feminist movement especially in the workplace but what she talks about is the female search for love, meaning how relationships, heterosexual relationships in particular, have still been not fully explored or been put aside by the feminist movement. I think it's a brilliant book. And it's called Communion by Bell Hooks. Excellent. And that's our show. That was quick. I learned that seagulls eat the flying ants and they eat loads of them. And flying ants are full of folic acid. And that is like tripping out seagulls and that's why they've been so bonkers for like three days see you next time you can find us on insta at refigure uk or twitter and facebook at refigure pod come say hello thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you next time goodbye 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 <laughs>